0: Praise God. If you could stand for the reading of God's word, amen? If you could turn to the book of Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, I'm going to read it here in the NIV, and uh, praise God. How many of you brought a Bible to church today? Amen? Wonderful. Glory to Jesus. So important. That we read our Bible, amen? So we're going to read it. Um, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all men, for kings, and all those in authority, that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at, to, at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the man everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger are disputing. Amen. And so the Bible here talks about, you may be seated. Amen. I just want to read that last line again. I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Men, it's time to pray. You know, God knew that the women would pray anyway, but I believe God is calling us as men to pray. Amen? It's time to pray, not time to philosophize or argue or debate. Amen? And, and again, it says, first of all. I think it's interesting that that verse starts with first of all. That establishes prayer as being an essential priority for every one of us amen and like I said Paul specifically addresses the men in this verse because like I said women will will pray and many times as men we don't humble ourselves but so it's important to pray and you know we're following on from last week we started out that the title of the series is called pray and I I understand last week the message was maybe uh, long and maybe a little intense for some of you maybe even a little bit troubling some of the things I addressed but notwithstanding this I believe that it's absolutely necessary for us to be aware of the times that we're in if we want to pray effectively First Chronicles 12:32 it says, of the sons of Isaac, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do in the new living. And these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Amen. So we must have understanding of the times that we are in. And, and I, I really believe this. This is so important. So turn to your neighbors, say it's time to get with it. I wanna re- read uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 54. And here Jesus is talking, and it says, then he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud riding, rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather, and uh, there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern the time? So Jesus rebuked uh, them. You know, it's interesting. The contemporary English version says, are you trying to fool someone? You can predict the weather by looking at the earth and sky, but you don't really know what's going on right now. What an indictment for the men who are meant to be representing God, the men who had given their life to the study of the scriptures and the service of God. And yet Jesus rebukes them and says, you don't know what's going on. Because you see, heaven was literally invading earth to dethrone sin, Satan, and the powers of darkness, and uh, you know, true, true Christ and his ministry. But the Pharisees were utterly oblivious to what God was doing right there and then. You know, they should have been able to recognize, you know, what God was doing in that moment, but they were blinded by religion, tradition, and a sense of complacency that had uh, gripped these men because of their position and their privilege, and sadly, this describes much of the church right now. They literally don't know what's going on, and, you know, again, many are determined to simply get back to pre-COVID days. You know, sorry, but that ship has sailed, and I think it's important for us to understand. It's a new era you know with new challenges and certainly a new environment but there is also a new anointing at least for those of us who are willing to step in and and connect with it and be those new wine skins that that, that God will anoint in this season and hour amen so I think it's important for us to understand God wants us to walk in a new anointing Daniel 11 verse 32 and such as do wickedly um against the covenant uh, shall he corrupt by flatteries? Here's something about the antichrist. But the people who do know their god shall be strong and do exploits. So, even in the midst of what the devil is doing, God will anoint his people in every hour, in every season, in every civilization. God will anoint his people because we will fight and we will win, but only if we take our place in prayer. And this is why this. Series is so important, and I understand maybe this series is a little different, maybe a little different to what you might have expected. But I believe there's a a strategic nature to this season because we have to begin to pray strategically and unselfishly. Prayer has to go beyond our own particular needs. God bless me and my my children and my needs, etc., etc. And God cares about that, but God wants to, the you know, like it says in Ephesians, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. God wants to enlighten us the way. What is going on in this season so we can pray effectively and so that we can affect real change in our society. How many of you know our society needs to change and fast? Okay, so anyway, this is important. We will win if we take our place in prayer. And this is why as a pastor, I can't play the game and pretend that everything is just fine because it is not. You know, Ezekiel 33, um, you know, urges us, uh, verse 1, again the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head he heard the sound of the trumpet but he did not take warning his blood shall be upon himself but he who takes warning will save his life but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned the bible talks about you know uh, in corinthians says if the if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound I believe we're living in a day right now where many who are meant to be blowing the trumpet are not doing so out of fear. Or else they're giving a very uncertain half-hearted sound. This is a day to give a certain sound. There's a sound in the spirit to rouse and awaken the people of God to the hour that we are in. This is not a game. This is about eternity. And so it says, you you know, as, as men and women of God, we have to blow the trumpet. And it says, but if he does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. That's why the Bible says not many of you should be teachers. It is a very sobering responsibility to play a part in influencing eternal souls. That's why you don't want to step into a lane you're not called into. So you, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul." I don't know about you, I find that tremendously sobering. The responsibility God has given us to influence others, but particularly those of us who are in Christian leadership. And and let me say this, I believe the difficult and challenging and testing times are coming on this world, and particularly on the church, and we must therefore be ready. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 and it says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to, all, to, um, to this end with perseverance and supplication for the saints. So the Bible here talks about, you know, the... the, the um, It talks about the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And I assure you, we will need the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit in the days that are to come. You know, last week I spoke about the Antichrist agenda to enslave mankind with the beast system, as outlined in Revelation 13. I'm just going to quickly read three verses that uh, address the Antichrist and how he will operate. And it says um, in verse 16, um, it says 15. He causes as many who, who will not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, uh, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who's understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six, six, six. So here the Bible talks about in the uh, tribulation, you not be able to buy or sell unless you take a mark and we will assume that there is some form of uh, there will be some form of of worship involved in taking that mark and um, again uh, 2nd Timothy chapter uh, 2 in verse 3 and 4 addresses the Antichrist that says let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first we're living in the time of that falling away falling away from what pastor John falling away from truth we're seeing it in our society We're seeing it even within the church, embracing all sorts of immoral and godless and perverted ideas that are contrary to what the Bible teaches. And I think it's important for us to understand. We're seeing and we're witnessing that falling away in our midst. I'm going to address that maybe a little bit further in the message. But it talks about that there would be a falling away before the Antichrist is revealed. And it says, And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What was Satan's original sin? He sought to exalt himself above God. And it's that same spirit. And uh, one more verse in Daniel chapter 11 uh, addresses this. Daniel chapter 11 and verse uh, 36. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall exalt himself above them all. That is the Antichrist spirit, wants to put itself above. And so it says, but in their place he shall honor a god of fortresses, And a God which his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign God, and he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. So those three verses address the Antichrist spirit. And so this arrogant spirit will seek to exalt itself above all that is sacred, holy, and true. And it's important to emphasize this, particularly following on from last week's message. This isn't conspiracy theory, which is a term uh, today's used to dismiss so many different ideas. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is biblical prophecy. And, and prophecy that is millennia old, and prophecy that will come to pass in its proper time. It will be fulfilled. So, again, when you read these three verses, the one word that comes to mind is control. And that is what we see in our society today. Unprecedented and ever-increasing control. Agriculture, business, media, education, science, politics. It seems now that only one viewpoint is now permitted. And if anyone dares to contradict it, they are canceled. And so this is extremely dangerous because it assumes that certain, you know, individuals or narratives are literally beyond being questioned. And that is, again, a characteristic of dictatorship where you're not allowed to question. Even science itself is based on the proposition that you can only progress by asking some questions. Okay, so again, I believe that that climate change is one of these ideas, the very the very term climate change denier you know it it kind of resonates it sounds like something like a, a heretic from the middle ages and this is intentional because it infers that you are refusing to accept the truth it's a clever psychological tactic to control the way that you think by literally shaming you into submission because who wants to be referred to as being a denier of anything so again characteristic Uh, you, you know, control isn't just a characteristic of past dictators and fascists, it will also be a characteristic of the end times beast system. You know, it's interesting, if you look at so many of the recent changes that we're being told are for our benefit, and at times for our very survival, you know, so many times these changes always seem to end up with someone, somewhere, exerting more control over how we live our lives. You know, you have to ask, is this a coincidence or is it part of a plan? You know, is online censorship by big tech truly about creating a safer environment or is it about, you know, a more controlled environment? You know, is it about undermining free speech and ultimately controlling the way that we think? Because, again, when you see this current worldwide push for hate speech legislation um, that we see, you have to ask, is this about protecting people or about actually controlling speech? Because nobody, you know, uh, obviously nobody is for um, hatred, and I certainly understand that people at times say some very hateful things um, to each other online, and I certainly don't endorse that, but I also don't believe that it's healthy to treat people like their children either. And I don't know about you, I'm tired of governments talking to adults like they're bold children. And so the fact is, preaching the gospel and upholding biblical morality may soon be defined as hate speech. Okay, because again, the term is very subjective. You know, the, the, the issue is who gets to define what is hate speech? Okay, because, the, the, like I said, to another religion, John fourteen six, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, or the verse I read at the beginning, where uh, the Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, not Allah, Krishna, or any other God, but Jesus. Jesus is the way. I come, I'm absolutely convinced that Jesus is the only Savior. This is what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm one of many ways to get to God. You may not like that, it may not be politically correct in 2021, but that is what the man said. That is what Jesus said. He presented himself as the only avenue by which sinful man can be forgiven and redeemed. So, that may be classed by hate speech by other religions who take offense at that. And so, again, they may perceive that as hatred. You know, I've no, I've no doubt that there are those in our generation who would like to cancel the Bible, but they can't. You know what? Because truth always prevails over lies and propaganda. It always has and it always will. So, again, you have to ask if many of these environmental controls are about saving the planet or rather controlling the planet. you know a few weeks ago um, we saw over five hundred private jets fly into cop twenty six in glasgow to you know for them to plan and announce the changes that the little people will have to be making. I don't know about you, I've never been on a private jet, but these people that have decided that they are the, you know, the, the wise ones and can choose and decide, you know, how we are meant to live our lives. I don't agree with that. Okay, so, you know, I assure you this, if people actually knew the changes that they are planning to, to foist upon mankind, there would be revolution in the streets. I, I'm, I'm, because let me, I, I don't know about you, personally, I have no desire to eat worms, okay, or to live in a box. I've fathered five children. I would not have done that if I was on a, di- uh, on a, on a diet of, 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 you know, soya milk and, and flipping tofu or whatever else they eat, you know. I'm just simply saying, you know, I think you should be free to eat what you want to eat. And so we must pray or we will lose hard-won freedoms because it seems like the kingdom of darkness uh, will, will use certain groups and movements and individuals for a time because it is convenient uh, to promote a particular narrative or agenda, but once they're done with them, they just cast them aside because they're no longer of any benefit. And you know what? Eventually, climate change activists will be no different. And so we see this right now with feminists who ironically are the latest ones to be thrown under the bus as society goes further and further down this woke rabbit hole. Okay, you know, uh, a few weeks ago a in the a female uh, feminist lecturer uh, in the UK had to quit her job uh, due to online hatred and violence that was being expressed um, uh, towards her simply because she was of the opinion, and she said it, that trans men who identify as women aren't actually women and shouldn't be allowed access to female spaces such as changing rooms. And uh, Listen, that's biologically a fact, okay? And again, facts don't care about feelings. At least not in a world where objective truth is valued. And I want to live in a world where objective truth is still valued. And so, uh, anyway, we see this um, uh, right now uh, happening in in our society. And I find it rather ironic, uh, you know, that that feminists are no longer deemed as being useful or necessary because apparently women are no longer a thing. You know, the Scottish government have started putting female hygiene products into male toilets because, you know, as men, we need that kind of stuff, like tampons and other kind of stuff like that, you know. Just this in the last few weeks, the, the, the Scottish Civil Service were uh, pressurized into removing a word from their maternity policy. How many of you guessed what that word was? some really dark, oppressive word that was being used. You know what the the word was? Mother. They removed the word mother from their maternity policy. Can you see how how, how absolutely nuts this whole direction and this tangent is that society is taking? And I don't know about you, I find it very troubling, okay? Because, uh, (laughs) mother, I mean, this is a deliberate and cynical move to literally erase women, okay? And I find it very concerning. And let me add, men can't get pregnant. And if you can, you're not a man. Okay, I'm coming for you today. I'm coming with truth like a freight train. Somebody needs to say this. Thank you, Jesus. I'm tired of this foolishness and this propaganda. and The fact it's never questioned is an indictment of our media and our political system, which has cast aside all logic and all reason in their effort to try and just fit in. You know what? It's just peer pressure. And a lot of it, it it just shows you, you know, that peer pressure that you feel as a little kid in the playground. It doesn't go away just because you become an adult, but I have a calling from God and I'm going to honor Him, I'm going to honor Him, and I'm going to care truth in Jesus' name. Feminism as an ideology was useful for a time for the promotion of abortion, LGBT, undermining marriage and the destruction of the nuclear family, along with demonizing masculinity, and pushing the lie that liberation and empowerment somehow comes through promiscuity, selfishness, and in many instances, casting aside motherhood and marriage for a career. I'm not saying you can't have a career and be a mother, but you know what? There are many who believe you can't, and that's a lie. If you want to have a career, my wife, she's... She's higher qualified than me. She's smarter than me, but she chose to spend the last 20 years at home with our kids. That was her choice. And I take extreme exception at politicians who give the impression that just because a woman isn't working full time, that she is somehow oppressed and that there's some glass ceiling keeping her in a cage. I don't don't agree with that. It is a lie. Women should be free to choose what they want to do, whether that is work in the home or work outside the home. I don't judge either, but you know what? In a free society, we shouldn't be trying to push mothers out of the home if that's where they want to be. But what people don't understand, it's a bit like a train journey. Just because you stop at a station doesn't mean that this is the final destination. And ironically, feminists have been left behind on the platform watching in horror as the progressive train pulls away, leaving them behind. And just to clarify, when I'm talking about feminism, I'm referring to third wave feminism that teaches women to hate men, marriage, and all things masculine and place an almost sacramental value on abortion. You know, many people don't realize the original feminists were primarily pro-life, pro-family, pro-marriage, and they simply sought equality of opportunity and pay for women. And this is completely reasonable in a free and a fair fair society. So, and, And I also understand why some women may look you know, who are hurt by men might look to feminism for answers and protection. But let me say this, the problem isn't toxic masculinity because that very term infers that all men are toxic and that masculinity, in essence, is toxic, and that is a lie. Because the answer to bad men is good men. Surely World War II is, this, is, is symbolic of that. And so, again, the, the problem isn't, uh, you know, uh, toxic masculinity, but rather toxic men, okay? and Uh, may I add toxic women okay who don't know Christ or his love and 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 therefore they invariably hurt and damage whoever they come into contact with because they don't have the love of God in their hearts and therefore they leave a trail of brokenness and dysfunction wherever they go Jesus said in John 5 24 I know you that you do not have the love of God in you The question isn't whether you're male or female. The question is, do you have the love of God in your heart? Are you motivated by love? Or are you motivated by lust? And so, anyway, listen, men and women have been literally blaming each other since the Garden of Eden, and we have to stop. Amen? Because the problem ultimately isn't male or female, but rather the sin that dwells in our hearts. You know, the truth is this. There is no ideology that has the solution to our sin. Only Jesus Christ can save. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many of you believe that? Amen? So it's time for us to deal with the sin in our hearts and stop pointing our fingers. Because whether it's feminism, atheism, communism, capitalism, socialism, even religion, they all aspire to create a perfect world and yet they all go silent in the face of our sin. You see, every ideology seeks to answer the great questions of life, but Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the answer to our world. Jesus is the answer. But again, feminists are are, are understandably perturbed that simply stating that men and women are different and that gender is not changeable is now causing them to be canceled. But what they don't realize is that it was never about women's rights. It was never about the rights of any other interest group. It is about Satan's agenda to rob, steal, and destroy and bring society to the place where there will be complete and utter chaos. Because like I said, if you succeed in destroying the family, society will implode. And so this is Satan's agenda is to destroy and bring chaos and it will be a chaos that will facilitate the rise of his man the Antichrist exactly as was prophesied in the Bible and therefore the destruction of the marriage of marriage family values along with the desecration of the sanctity of human life true abortion these were simply stops along the way that made this ideology useful for a season but now that's been largely accomplished and that season has ended the bandwagon simply moves on to the next destination because again it's all about trans rights right now and the right to indoctrinate and confuse little kids and so once that's been accomplished the next step towards that will be the normalization of pedophilia um, I, I believe that there is an agenda to normalise that which is perverted, that which is evil. Jesus said, "Whoever harms a child, it would be better for them that there was a, a, a millstone put around their neck and they were thrown in the depths of the sea." But you know, um, it, you know, the, the very same logic is applied. Well, you know, that's the way they're born. Who are you to judge, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, it's a lie. Luke 4 and 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led uh, the, the Jordan, uh, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 years he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Um, the devil. Let him up on a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me by who? By Adam. The devil was not lying at this moment because if he was, the Bible would have acknowledged that. It says, this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. And it says, I can give it to anyone I want to. If you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so, ultimately, the devil doesn't care about anyone or anything. He makes his offer of wealth and power and riches to those who will serve his purposes. And sadly... There's never any shortage of useful idiots who will take him up on his offer, okay? But they don't realize that offer is time sensitive and time always runs out on his patronage and favor. Yes, you know, the people who sell their soul to the devil, doors will open, fame, fortune, etc. But it's just for a short time and eventually the devil takes them out and they just enter eternity and go to hell. Matthew 24, 14 says, Many are called, but few are chosen. You know, what it's saying is that many are called, but sadly, few choose to answer or obey the call. The world is full of people who are called. God is called to every person. Every person is called. God has a call in your life. It may be in business or media or ministry or whatever else, but every person has been given gifts and talents and an ability. Nobody is an accident. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Moses. Um, Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse uh, 24 and it says by faith Moses when he had come of age refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing, your choices are so important because your choices determine the direction of your life and ultimately your eternal destination. Nobody ends up in hell by accident and neither does anybody end up in, hell, in heaven by accident. It's a consequence of choices that you make. Every day you're making choices that are affecting your eternal destiny. I'm not talking about working for your salvation. What I am talking about is working out your salvation. God has a plan. and Let me say this. God has an opinion. He has an opinion about who you date, who you marry, where you live, what you do. He has an opinion about what you do with your money, what you do with your time. Amen. That would be a good place to say amen. amen. It says Choosing. Rather to suffer affliction with the people of God uh, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked for the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. So again, Moses chose God. But hell is literally full of people who regret choosing a moment of fame, fortune, and pleasure over an eternity of torment and shame. And this is why we must pray. We must pray for an awakening in our generation. You know, there's a huge increase in people who embrace atheism. I cannot imagine the shock that grips the hearts of those people who die trusting in atheism, that there's nothing after life, or trusting in idols or false gods. And so there is only one God and there is only one way. This is why we must pray, amen? We must pray for an awakening because this is why the Bible says pray first for kings, rulers, because by implication, you won't have a quiet or peaceable life if the wrong people are in power. We saw this in Nazi Germany. Hitler came to power and there was no peace any longer, not for Germans, certainly not for Jews, and not for anyone living in Europe and even further afield. Why? Because Hitler, he normalized anti-Semitism. Okay? He removed Jews from employment, he closed their businesses, and um, not only that, he nazified the churches. So the, 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 the churches that would embrace Nazi ideology were allowed to stay open, where they could brainwash the people. Those who didn't, the pastors who didn't comply, their churches were closed. In many instances, they were either imprisoned or killed. Okay, so again, church, all church youth groups were banned. Whereas membership of uh, Hitler youth was made mandatory, where those young kids were brainwashed into the ideology of National Socialism. So I don't have any love affair with socialism, like some of our leaders, particularly our president um, uh, Michael D. Higgins. So uh, I I think it's important that we look at this, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, these ideologies from a perspective of the Bible and particularly from the perspective of freedom. And so, in the final days of the war, I think it's very sad. You know, uh, many, if not most, of the anti-aircraft guns in Germany were manned by kids. You know, one, uh, you know, one group uh, received a direct hit on the, on the gun battery and they were all killed. All of those children were under 12 years of age. This is why we can't be naive about who you allow into power. And this isn't conjecture or opinion. This is historical fact. Usually the Hitler youth kids who are fighting, particularly in the final days of the war, uh, they refused to surrender. They would fight to the death. And this is why Proverbs 22:6 6 says, train up a child in the way in which they shall go. When they're old, they won't turn from it. This is why we have such a responsibility as parents. Some of you parents need to turn off that TV and the trash you and your kids are watching and start to read the Bible and pray for them. Some of you, your children, are being mentored right now by Netflix. And it's wrong, because they're getting all sorts of ungodly ideas put in their heads. So when the Bible tells us to pray for those in authority, it needs to be more than simply, God bless the government, Amen. Colossians 4 and verse 12 talks about the burden of prayer that we should have as believers. Colossians chapter uh, 4 and verse 12, and it says, Ephrathus, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear in witness that he is a great zeal for you, and for those in Laodicea and those in Philippi. So, this man had a burden. He was laboring fervently in prayers. He wasn't just going through the motions. It speaks of the burden of prayer that we must carry. People, we must have a burden of prayer. Oh, I don't like that word burden, it's not. Listen, get over your, your your kind of ideas where we need to change our mentality towards Christianity, where we have a convenience mentality, where it's all about being blessed and all about you know, being comfortable. God hasn't called you to be comfortable. He has called us to change our nation and our generation. Ezekiel 22.30, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. We must stand in the gap on behalf of our nation. Let me say this, if you're living in Ireland, this is your nation. I laugh when I hear Christians say, oh, you know, I'm going to go back home. I'm just going to go back home. People are understandably nervous about a lot of these changes that are either happening or being planned. But you must understand this. If we don't fight for freedom and truth, nowhere will be safe because there is a plan to export this to the nations. This will be global. There will not be anywhere to hide. And so this is the last stand of freedom wherever you are currently standing. I'm not being melodramatic or exaggerating. I truly believe. You know, in World War II, it's quite obvious when you saw the Nazis' tanks and planes taking over nations. But just because we don't see that physically does not mean that we are right now in a war. It's just it's happening virtually. It's happening politically. It's happening in our schools, in our colleges. There is a war happening right now. And, And so if you love truth, particularly objective truth and biblical truth, then we must fight. Jeremiah 29 and 7, it says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You see, prosperity is about way more than money, it is about revival. Our prayers make a, bi- a big difference, and this is why a nation cannot survive or, or, or it cannot prosper, it cannot thrive without God. Again, a nation cannot uh, uh, thrive or even survive without you know God or biblical truth. and I, I believe this in light of this, Western nations are clearly on borrowed time. Jeremiah chapter 30, uh, seventeen and verse 13. I love this, it's in the NIV. And it says, Lord, you're the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord as springs of living water. Look at the glory of, of, uh, you know, Grecian civilization. Or the Aztecs, or the Romans. Where are they now? They're just dust and ashes. And so too. Civilization as we know it will go the same route if we continue to reject God and, and, and the, the truth that is contained in his word. It says they will be written in the dust. You can write what you want in the dust. You know what happens the first time there's a gust of wind, it's gone. And so too I believe there's a sobriety to this. Job twelve twenty three in the ESV it says, he makes nations great and he destroys them. We're on borrowed time when we're killing millions of babies every year. And and we become so desensitized to it. We're on borrowed time. Don't tell me God will continue to ignore the way that we live. He makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and leads them away. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in pathless waste. They grow up in the dark without light and makes them stagger like a drunken man. We've been warned. If we don't pray, both Western civilization and democracy as we know it will be relegated to the dustbin of history. Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, take heed that you be not deceived in relation to the end times. Because prayer is the most natural thing for a rational being. Because this is the thing, we don't have all the answers and it's foolishness for us to pretend that we do. We don't. It's idiotic for man to act that he is somehow in control because he's not to act like you know, paying higher taxes is suddenly going to change the weather. It's not. We are not God. And I think it's important for us to understand that history serves to show us that the most malign you know, rulers with the most evil plans and intentions always eventually get their just desserts in the end. Because mortal man, irrespective of how much pain, how much power, how much influence he gains, is not and never will be God, irrespective of how much he is sold out, you know, you know, how deluded, how unhinged, or again, how sold out to Satan he may become. You know, Isaiah Um, uh, chapter 45, before we do that, I think it's important for us to acknowledge, you know, this whole climate change movement, you might say, Pastor John, what is wrong with you? Everybody believes this. Um, You know, why are you being so irresponsible? Listen, I love the outdoors, I always have. I I I love cycling, Uh, you know, I'm out two or three times a week on the bike, another two or three times walking. I love the fresh air, I love the beauty of Ireland. I am in no way endorsing, the destruction of the environment. But the truth is this, much of the whole climate change movement is about man being deluded into thinking that he can somehow save the planet. But it's not, again, about saving the planet, it's about man wanting to play God. Let me read this, Isaiah 45:18. For this is what the Lord says, he who created the heavens, it is God who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I'm the Lord and there is no other. The New Living says, he made the world to be lived in. We must start from that proposition that God is the creator, not you or I. Okay, and that none of us are an accident. This is what the Bible teaches. All of us has a purpose. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Okay, and so the Bible says that God created the world to be inhabited. It's clear that God made abundant provision for us from the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Because again, tell me, who put the gold, the silver, the oil, the gas, all these minerals in the ground? You know, why did God make cows taste so good if he didn't want us to eat them? And yes, he knew they would pass methane gas, and like I pointed last week, so do you. So if you, they'll come for the cows first, but you better know they'll come for you later. And this is why it's troubling that we now have a government who seems happily to literally decimate one of Ireland's most successful and long-standing industries in the name of progress. Sorry, it's not progress to shut down successful industries like they've done with sugar and peat, where you end up importing what you once produced. It's not wise for governments to be reducing the global food supply. Because there's a big focus right now on agriculture and the sins, the climate sins of agriculture. Um, uh, But I, I think, you know, looking at governments, they seem to be more concerned with virtue signaling their progressive credentials to each other, rather than looking after national interests, in particular food. How many of you know food is important? Without it, you starve. And history is replete with, with instances of where famines came and millions of people died. And so, let's not be naive with this because many of these uh, eco-measures will ultimately lead to inflation because you know everything becomes more expensive once you make power more expensive. Inflation, poverty, bankruptcy, and I believe food shortages will come. And so, again, I strongly believe that we should pray that God will guide our governments, particularly because many of them are pursuing policies And passing laws that will directly affect the way you live. The Irish government, after coming back from the COP, said that they're going to let us know about the changes later. You know why that is? They don't want to have a revolution because people will go berserk when they find out what what is planned. And so, anyway, um, you know, this week in Austria, they just passed a lockdown for those who are not vaccinated. And so we can't afford to ignore, um, you know, politics. Stop messing with the lights, guys. It's important that we don't uh, ignore politics or politicians, all right? Because, and and again, this is irrespective of your vaccination status, because it may be due to vaccination today, it'll be due to maybe something else tomorrow, you know, the endorsement of, of LGBT or whatever views you don't agree with. So I think it's important to understand that we need to be mindful of principles and patterns, just because it doesn't currently apply to you doesn't mean that the very same principle will be applied to you tomorrow. And so, again, um, Jeremiah 29 11 says, God has plans for us, those plans are good. Okay, God has plans for us, those plans are good. And, and we must believe that. So, you know, many people know Jeremiah 20 because I probably preach it just about every week, because I love that verse, because what it does is acknowledge the importance of the individual. An importance how we, it shows how we're special to God, we're important to him, he loves us, he has a plan for us, he hasn't forgotten us. Even if we're going through tough times, we can hope and believe that God is gonna move in our lives because he cares for us. But uh, again, many people don't know what Jeremiah 29, 7 says. I just read it a little while ago. In the Amplified, seek peace and well-being for the city where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its peace or well-being, you will have peace. And so there's this principle that You know, many of you have come from different nations. You need to be praying for Ireland. You need to be praying for the Irish government. You need to be praying for the EU. Um, We must intentionally and deliberately pray for our governments and we can't naively assume that things will just work out and that nations will take the right path. And that's certainly not happening right now with regards to Israel. You know, Ireland is becoming increasingly um, anti-Semitic and hostile towards both the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. And I I believe that this brings a curse. Because Jeremiah, uh, uh, Genesis 12, I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you. That is an irreversible, eternal law, and, and uh, you know, uh, one that, that will bring a curse or a blessing, depending on your particular perspective, to the Jewish people. You know, one Irish politician recently in a letter referred to Jewish supremacy in addressing the Israel-Palestinian conflict. And, 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 and uh, just give me another 10 minutes, and I'll, I'll be finished, but... I have a lot to say today, and, and again, it's once a week, so come on, work with me, all right? Hallelujah. I, I don't understand people are coming, and after 45 minutes, they're looking at their clock, and they, they're watching, it, oh, I need to go. It's once a week, what's the issue? You don't take that attitude coming into the cinema, this thing's been on for an hour, I, I have to go. No, no, you just sit there and you chill, so just, just chill, hey man, we'll get there. We'll get there, amen? How many of you are being encouraged? I hope you are, okay? So uh, that's my hope, even in dealing with end time issues, that we can look at it from a redemptive perspective because the best is yet to come, hallelujah. And, but anyway, um, uh, you know, I, when people start using phrases like that, in, uh, I think it's very dangerous. Um, and, and again, it may have been just a clumsy way of expressing concern. You know, about the situation between uh, Israel and and Gaza, etc. But you know what? In light of history, and particularly the recent Holocaust and Hitler's lies to the German people about this very thing, Jewish supremacy, or so called Jewish supremacy, there's no shortage of all of these tropes online. But it serves as a warning for us to be mindful of the language you use, but also to pray for our leaders for revelation and for discernment. Because as the church, we have a part to play in ensuring that our nation doesn't embrace, you know, many of these dangerous lies that, that some in our generation are beginning uh, to to accept. And and you know, sadly, you know, many of these ideas are being even embraced by believers and whole Christian denominations. When you have, you know, even Christian denominations actively promoting the lies of BDS, um, I think that's extremely troubling. So this is why we need to be prayerful and discerning because as I said last week, the father of lies comes in this Guys, we know the Bible prophesies that in the end days, the whole world will rise up against Israel. And it's important that our nations are not contained within those groups and that we ourselves don't get caught up in that anti-Semitic spirit. We must bless Israel. Zechariah 12 says um, this is the burden of the Lord concerning Israel thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth who forms the uh, spirit of man within him behold I'll make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness for the surrounding peoples Judah will be besieged in all Jerusalem on that day when the nations of the earth gather against her I'll make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the people All who would heave it away will be severely injured. Here the Bible gives a warning, and that warning is that those who seek to harm Israel or the Jewish people will themselves be harmed. Because you see, God protects his people, and again people may say, oh Pastor John, they're not even Christians, they haven't accepted Christ, many of them don't even believe in God. That isn't the issue. The relevant issue is this, they're still God's children. He loves them. The Bible refers to the children of Israel and the children, he refers to them as the children of Abraham. Can I ask any of you that are parents, if you have children who are currently not walking with God? Hands up anybody who has children and they're not currently walking with God. Well, l- let me say this. I think it's important for us to understand. You know, do you desire for, for God's mercy? Do, do you pray for God's mercy for them? Of course you do then why not the people through whom the scriptures, the apostles, the prophets, and even our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, came true? It's a double standard for us to expect mercy when we sin and yet demand judgment for the Jews in their sin. And so, this is why, you know, Romans eleven twenty eight 28 says, the calling, the gifts, and the calling of God are without repentance, because we're seeing a prolific rise in anti Semitic hate, demonization of Israel, and it's not unlike that which was seen in 1930s Germany, where the Jews were literally blamed for all of the problems uh, in Germany at that time. And so, a- again, a- that generation, there were those who embraced that lie that the problem was Jewish supremacy. And it was a lie then and it's a lie now. And this is why as the church, we have a part to play and this is why we must pray for our country. First Timothy 2, again, I urge first of all, pray for all people, uh, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and those who are in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our savior. Because the truth is, in many instances, our politicians are ignorant of the Bible Bible and are therefore making decisions that are based on faulty information. Because if the Bible is not your guide, you will invariably make the wrong decisions. You know, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And again, you may say, Well, God is sovereign, he's in control. Yes, uh, God is sovereign, but to take the attitude that God is sovereign, therefore why do we need to pray? God will fix it. Um, Listen, God could sovereignly save everybody tomorrow, but rather he's given us the the responsibility of taking this message to a lost and a broken world. Go into into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we have a responsibility. We can't abdicate that responsibility just because it's not convenient, okay? And so this is the problem. Many times I see in the church this this flawed understanding of God's sovereignty. It feeds a kind of a a, a, a fatalism whereby we accept everything as being God's will, which is not all that unlike many pagan religions that simply accept things as being God's will. Many Hindus, like I said, will just walk over somebody that's dying just because of this idea of karma, this idea God is sovereign, whatever happens is his will. You know, I know many in Islam believe that in in many instances about, you know, that God does what he wants and therefore you just simply passively accept everything. But if everything is God's will and it's therefore unavoidable, why bother working to, to change it? Why bother working to make the world better as the worship group come forward? I think it's important for us to reflect on these things and therefore we have a part to play as I finish. Okay, we have a part to play in standing for truth and righteousness and freedom. We must use our voice, we must use our gifts, and just as importantly, we must use our brains. Okay, it's that thing between your ears. You have to use your brain and not be brainwashed, like I said, with all of the lies that are going on around us in our generation. And so we must use our our brain. We must think we must be discerning and you know that's why I'm a little suspicious of of you know 16 year olds being treated as if they're Old Testament prophets by governments globalists and faceless corporations it makes me wonder uh, you know if there's an agenda at play and that is why I'm praying that God will give all of us discernment in these days okay we must have discernment we must be wise The Nazis did the very same thing with children. They used the children to convince and manipulate the adults. So let's not be stupid in Jesus' name. Let's use our head, stand to your feet in Jesus' name. I pray this message has encouraged you. I pray that it has maybe opened your eyes to some things and made you think, amen. But you know what, more than anything else right now, I hope and pray that it has made you contemplate eternity. It has made you contemplate life and eternity. God has a plan for your life. God loves you. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And so, again, while we pray for our governments, we pray for our leaders, the most important thing is this, is that we get right with God. Because all of what I've addressed today, these are simply signs of the season. There are signs of the season that we are in. We are the generation I believe that will usher in the return of Jesus Christ. The question is this, are you ready to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you found peace with God? Do you have that assurance that heaven is your home and Jesus is your Lord? Because when we look at these signs, a sign is there to show you something. A sign is there to warn you or to point you to something. Well, these signs are here, I believe, to point every one of us to Jesus as the only answer. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna ask you a very important question, the most important question you will ever ask, The, the most important question you'll ever answer, and the question is this, do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? I'm not asking, do you say, I'm a good person? Listen, none of us are good. Jesus said that. We're all guilty. We are sinners in need of a savior. So today, I want you to contemplate eternity. Do you have that assurance that when you leave this earth, that you will go to be with the Lord in eternity? Or should Jesus Christ return? Because the Lord loves you. He paid for your sins on the cross so that you could be saved, so that you could know his love, so that you could know his peace. Even in troubled times, we can have his peace we can have that assurance the Bible says this hope we have is an anchor for our soul you see when you know Jesus as your savior you will be anchored no matter how troubled the times may become and I assure you troubled times are coming we haven't seen anything yet the Bible has prophesied this and so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord this is your moment And sadly, I believe in eternity. Some people will see altar calls replayed in eternity before them. Where the Lord will say, you had an opportunity. But because of the pride of your heart, you resisted my spirit that was moving on your heart in that moment. And you did not receive what God freely gives, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So put your hand up today if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior. If you want to get right with God, if you want to have that assurance that Christ is Lord of your life, if you're already born again, that's fine. But if you're not, don't be proud. Just put your hand up. This isn't about embarrassing you. This is about you simply responding and receiving the gift of God, which is eternal life. Is there anybody here today? Put your hand up high. Help me out, ushers, if somebody's got their hand up. If you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, don't walk out of this place if you don't know. People come up to me after the service. That's fine, but you know what? The reason people don't do it in the service is because of pride. And I don't believe it means as much to rattle off a prayer where nobody can see you. Jesus was not ashamed to hang on a cross in your place, bearing your sin and shame. So don't be ashamed to respond to him today. So if you know you need to have your hand up to accept Jesus as your Savior, do so now. Nobody? Okay. If you're all believers, that's wonderful. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now in His presence. I want you to just begin to pray. Let's take a few moments to pray and then we'll finish with a song. Let's just take a few moments to pray for our leaders. Pray for our governments. Pray for our nations. And in particular, pray for this nation. Oh Lord God, we just thank you right now. Let's lift our voices in prayer. Lord, we pray, Father, for our leaders in this nation. We pray that you would begin to speak to them. We pray that you would remove the blinders from their eyes, that they would begin to consider the possible repercussions of some of the things that they have well planned and well intentionally planned, but not understanding the consequences that may be down further down the road. We pray that you will bring an awakening to the politicians in this nation. Lord, bring an awakening, Lord, particularly to those journalists, Lord, whose hands have been by editorial boards who won't let them write articles or ask questions or cover issues that are, you know, considered to be politically incorrect or, or, or not kosher. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will bring a great stirring. Lord, stir the hearts of those who are in authority, Lord. Awaken, awaken, awaken this nation. Awaken this nation to righteousness. Awaken this nation to truth, Lord. Bring an awakening throughout the EU, Lord. Bring an awakening throughout the nations, Lord. You said, ask me and I will give you the nations, Lord. We're asking for this nation. We're asking for Dublin. We're asking for Ireland, Lord God. Bring an awakening in Jesus' name, Lord God. Bring an awakening, Lord God. Speak to our leaders. Deliver them, Lord, from every lie, every deception, Lord God. We pray the fear of God. We pray the fear of God will come upon our leaders, Lord. We pray the fear of God will come upon the pastors, Lord, and that they will have the courage to say what needs to be said and to lead the way you want us to lead, Lord. Help us, Lord God. Don't let us be silent, Lord. Don't let us, Lord God, you know, ignore the responsibility to blow the trumpet in this season, Lord. Let the trumpet sound throughout this nation. Let the trumpet sound throughout this land, Lord. Bring an awakening. Bring repentance. Bring salvation to this nation. And to to this people, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God, we pray. We stand in the gap, Lord. We cry out to you for this nation. We cry out to you, Lord. Bring an awakening to the Irish, Lord. You did it one time through Patrick. You can do it again, in Jesus' name. Bring an awakening to the Irish, Lord God. Let Ireland awaken to righteousness, Lord God. Let Ireland awaken to truth, in Jesus' name. Let Great Britain, Lord, let America, Lord, let the nations of Europe, Lord, let there be an awakening to truth and righteousness in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God, we turn from our sins. We repent of our prayerlessness. We commit today that we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our nations. We're going to pray for our people, Lord God. We're going to pray and stand in the gap for our generation. If you believe that, could you give a shout of praise to the Lord today? Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord today chains be broken let burdens be lifted let freedom come in in the name of jesus 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 oh hallelujah